Good morning. Welcome back to Driving Theology. We are having an afternoon session today. Uh, I didn't have my morning classes, so I'm just heading in the afternoon. It's about 10 minutes after 1 on... What is the date today? That's a good question. I believe it's the 25th of March. Sorry, I gave you a big silence there. Just checking the date. And indeed it is the 25th. So, yeah, things have been crazy. I know they're crazy where you are too. Uh, if you're not dealing directly with somebody who has been infected with the uh, COVID-19, also known as the coronavirus, uh, then you're afraid that you have been or or have been exposed or uh, you're probably like us crazy uh, hand washing and, and social distancing all new words to us social distancing is now a you know part of the conversation it's part of our part of the vernacular social distancing um, so yeah, I I would assume like like everybody else, you your life has changed in small ways or big ways because of the introduction of this virus. And I've talked about it the last couple weeks because that's just what's going on. Um, I'm not sure I have any kind of a new angle that I can discuss it with. Uh, just to give you an update. Um, or me an update if I ever listen to this again where we are. So uh, we're probably here in Japan in in the uh, at least um, third month. I'd say we became aware of this in January. The fear started to grow in February. The, the cases started to appear uh, in the end of February and then started to grow in March. Japan, for whatever reason, has moved from uh, about sixth place when I first checked uh, for the country with the highest numbers of cases uh, down to, at one point, something like the 16th or, or even 21st, I remember seeing. I'm not sure where we are today. I haven't checked today, but for some reason, Japan has, has stayed um, relatively at least for larger countries, relatively untouched. Um, but but things are probably uh, ramping up here. We're we're afraid. Hopefully, hopefully this uh, virus, like many other many other viruses, um, like it uh, won't won't like the uh, the warmer weather, and we'll decide to to just uh, stay away during the warm weather time. I don't know if that's going to happen. Uh, right now, America is still seeing a huge 
uh, huge rise in cases and deaths, uh, as well as other countries, especially uh, Italy is probably at the top of the list, and then, of course, China, Spain. Uh, these countries are particularly hard hit. Um, uh, but Japan, up to today, at least, is doing much better than other countries at controlling the spread of the virus. Or, that's kind of what it looks like on paper, or they just haven't tested enough to know where the virus is spreading. Cases do pop up here and there. Um, I think our prefecture finally has, has bumped up to something like 10 cases, whereas we were one of the last ones to have any cases at all. Um, we got one case about a week ago, and then from that time it's gone from 1 to 10, something like that. But, all things considered, it's not horrible here in Ibaraki. Um, and a lot of people in Japan, uh, even though they wouldn't have called it this, uh, kind of practice social distancing anyway, <laughs> especially those of us who live in more rural Japan. Uh, we're several hours away from Tokyo, uh, so the population density here is not as great as it is, of course, in Tokyo and other parts of Japan, other big cities. Um, so that helps us. Um, I think so yeah God willing this virus will will uh, get under control everywhere and that we can resume our global ways but for now globalization has kind of taken a uh, uh, I don't know what you call it kind uh, of kind of taken a, a hit um, I'm wondering if some countries, uh, after this happens, might um, become suspicious of the the globalization movement and and go back to a more isolationist lifestyle. Possibly, I don't know. Um, it's at least going to be interesting to see how things play out. My business as an English teacher and English school owner. Uh, kind of depends on this globalization push uh, as English is seen as the inter international language uh, English is seen as a gateway to globalization for, for people who want to be more connected with uh, people in foreign countries and whatnot um, and so if if uh, if globalization does take a hit I would I would assume uh, that my school could take a hit as well, uh, fewer students or whatever, um, and we may have to rethink what we're doing, but anyway, up to now, um, yeah, kind of the, my whole reason, I mean, almost any Americans ability to stay in Japan depends on Japanese uh, Japan's push to learn the English language uh, whether uh, people still work in that realm or not is one thing but most of us got here doing that at the very least uh, yeah so 
that's where we are now. Um, Japan is has remained somewhat open. Cities have not locked down for the most part. Um, infrastructure, manufacturing uh, have all continued. Uh, education uh, has taken a hit. Another, uh, the entertainment industry, I'd say, has taken probably the biggest hit, uh, especially for live, uh, live entertainers and whatnot. Concerts have been canceled and, and uh, canceled for months in advance. Um, actually, strangely enough, I didn't have anything on the books. Um, I had one concert, but it wasn't a professional gig, and so uh, we were able to do a, a, a version of that a couple weeks ago. I may have talked about that in the last podcast. I don't remember, but uh, yeah, for me, I guess the the upside for not having any work was that nothing got canceled for me, nothing I was depending on or had prepared a long time for. Um, I suppose that's a little bit of a silver lining. <laughs> I don't know. Don't know. But the way things have gone the last 10 years, I kind of don't want to schedule anything in March because you just never know what's going to happen. Of course, I'm referring to uh, the tsunami and earthquake of March 11. 2011 uh, which took place and then and then this thing so it it brought up a lot of the old feelings and fears when this happened during this time of the year um, it, it it kind of caused us to reflect and remember um, 2011, of course, it happened right around the anniversary. Uh, the virus was making its way into Japan around the anniversary of, of the tsunami of 2011. Uh, but it, it kind of brought up a lot of the, it's not so much fear, it's the dread, the, the deep-seated feelings of dread, um, kind of a foreboding, you know, kind of a, oh, no, here we go again, you know, don't want to deal with this kind of feeling. Um, I'd say it's more of that than it is outright fear. Um, but yeah, that's kind of where we are now, trying to trying to you know just feel our way through this thing and 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 try trying to figure out how we're going to continue to support our family through the crisis because um, a lot of people have taken a bigger financial hit than we have or will. Uh, but we have taken a financial hit. Uh, I wouldn't say it's horrible, but uh, we don't we don't know don't don't yet know how extensive that that will be. Uh, so um, yeah, uh, a lot of churches I know in the states as well and other places have been trying to figure out. You know, just what is the what is the Christian way to deal with this crisis? Uh, because the governments have been telling us not to meet, right? Have been discouraging us to have any kind of meetings. Uh, but churches and Christians are very, very dedicated to that Sunday meeting, obviously. Uh, 
or any any of the meetings of the church and and sometimes feel that if they don't meet they are they are displeasing God right and so there's been a really interesting dynamic here on the one hand uh, if you attend worship you are pleasing God worship worship is pleasing to God right um, that's kind of how we look at it now I'm not going to go into the definitions of worship if you want to look back and see uh, other podcasts I've talked about that so I'm talking in this case I'm talking about the the worship service the actual meeting of churches usually on Sundays is what I'm referring to. I'm not talking about the actual nature of worship because I, I have a lot of <laughs> uh, different feelings about that. But, um, so on the one hand, uh, churches want to please God by getting together and worshiping and building up the church and, and uh, meeting their brothers and sisters in Christ. On the other hand, um, they don't want to be the cause of the spread of a disease, right? And so churches are caught in this weird, weird kind of limbo trying to figure out what is the best thing to do. Is it best to defy the government and meet? Or is it, or is it better to defy uh, our church traditions uh, and stay at home, right? Um, remain isolated from one another. Uh, but... The great thing is we live in a in a uh, period where we have the options of uh, things like video conferencing. Uh, that's probably probably not even what we call it anymore. But you have Zoom meetings and you have uh, uh, Google Classroom, I think. No, Google Hangouts uh, and uh, all these other uh, ways that we can virtually. Uh, listen to a sermon, for example, or listen to teaching, or even listen to music, or whatever. So churches, a lot of churches are actually having a skeleton crew at the church and then uh, broadcasting what they're doing uh, via the internet to their parishioners. Um, and this is interesting, right? Brings up some, some big questions. Uh, because on the one hand, the rhetoric out there by more conservative people is that the internet cannot take the place of face-to-face -face meetings, right? That whatever happens on the internet is not real, uh, blah, 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 right? Uh, and now they're faced with, with making this decision. They're actually deciding to use the internet as a, an alternative to face-to-face -face meetings. And so, you know, the, there's the possibility that eventually in, in the washout, uh, there's gonna be a lot of questions and questioning uh, about, uh, you know, why, why churches changed their tunes so fast and embraced the, the virtual possibilities the, the virtual options right uh, yeah but I, I think the best thing that's happening out of all this is that churches and people in churches are 
really now taking a hard look at just what it is that you do on a Sunday. What is it that you do on a Sunday? What is the value of it? Uh, and and what is the nature of it? Right? So when it when it is threatened, when that meeting is threatened, you have to take a hard look in order to justify whatever decisions you make uh, to handle the current crisis. Right? Um, and I think this is a really good thing. I, I think Christians need to take a hard look as I, as I have done the last uh, well I guess 16 years 16 years ago this year I started taking a hard look at the nature of of what the church calls worship services and the nature of the church itself um, and and I think it's great that other people, are being put in a situation where they have to do the same thing because I think it really d helps you define uh, exactly what's going on when Christ talks about church. What is the nature of the body of Christ? Uh, as as you know, brought out by this current crisis, this inability to meet, for example, in the church building. Um, and, and how can we do a better job in the future at defining exactly what church is and what the church meeting is supposed to be? And meant to be. Yeah, so that, I think this is a really, really positive thing. It's a really good thing. Oh, I hope my wife did not take my books out of my bag. That would be bad. I was just thinking. Well, I guess we'll deal with it in about 15 minutes, 20 minutes maybe. Um, yeah, so that's what we're talking about. Um, what have you found that are the questions coming out of this new challenge now some of you who listen to this I know are kind of like me and they have a a bit of a, a, a looser or freer idea of what the gathering of the church is and the nature of the church and I think that's just because you know birds of a feather tend to flock together um, but there may be some of you who are uh, in America worshiping at a at an institutional or, or a traditional normal style church church building uh, and you're facing the, these very questions right uh, and you're trying to figure out how can the church function in the church without meeting together in the church building right on a certain day and please keep asking those questions we should have been asking these questions all along right the, the, they're great questions that that are always good questions, no matter the situation. They're important questions. Uh, so, yeah, maybe this will completely change the idea of church for some people. Um, I don't think that's going to be a bad thing. I think it's going to be a very good thing. Uh, I hope it, hope it comes on quickly.
Um, but I would like to know how you guys are doing with the crisis, what your fears are, uh, concerns. Uh, if, if you could send me a message uh, either on my Facebook page, which is uh, under Driving Theology, uh, you can leave a message there. Uh, or uh, if you already know me, just send me a message or whatever. Uh, let me know about topics that you would like uh, me to talk about. I'm sure there are lots of them. Um, but yeah, what I'm learning in my 51 years is that uh, crises will come. Things will come that will kind of realign the world. Things that are so big uh, that you're changed after them for some time. Um, they just happen. In fact, Jesus said in, in, I think in the latter chapters of John, I can't remember the exact chapter, but my guess is 13 or 14. He said, uh, in this life you will have trouble, or in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Okay, so Jesus is telling us that, you know, trouble is just a part of living in this world, right? The world is going to give you trouble. Things are going to happen uh, that are negative, that you didn't want to happen. But he says, take heart, I, I have overcome the world. So the question is, if Jesus has overcome the world, why are we still dealing with these problems? If Jesus has overcome the world, why do problems continue continue to come up? Excuse me. Uh, and I I think uh, what we'd have to do is just look at the life of Jesus and realize that he had trials and tribulations, and eventually he died on the cross, uh, the ultimate trouble. The world gave Jesus trouble. Uh, as it's given people trouble since the beginning and continues to give us trouble today. And so whatever, whatever Jesus' uh, sacrifice did for us as he overcame the world, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to take away suffering, right? In this world, you will have trouble. Okay, in this world, you will have trouble. But he wants us to be courageous. So he says, take heart, right? Um, and if he has overcome the world, and yet trouble still befell him, uh, to what extent have we already overcome the world, and yet trouble still befalls us? Um it's an interesting dynamic to figure out what it means for Jesus to overcome the world, right? It's an interesting thing to think about. Um, so, just, just a few ideas, right? Nothing, nothing for sure, nothing concrete. Um, 
but a few ideas uh, will pop into my head, I'm sure, any second now. <laughs> um, the way that I think Christ actually overcame the world was not by necessarily physically changing anything uh, that was happening. For example, he didn't suddenly mag you know, wave a magic wand over the world and what was bad became good. Uh, I think the way that Jesus overcame the world was that he came as God to the earth and changed the way we understood God. Changed God in our eyes. So as we watch and we, we behold Jesus and we realize that he is God, we realize that the God we used to worship or the God we used to know or the God we thought that existed was a corrupt version. It was a shadow. Uh, it, it, was, it was understood on its, or misunderstood on its best day. But now that we see Christ, we can understand exactly who God is, right? Christ is the true image of the invisible God, right? Christ is the true image of the invisible God. And so the way Christ overcame the world is he overcame the world's erroneous ideas of the divine. He changed the way that we saw God. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen God. I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I do nothing except what the Father has shown me. Right? Jesus is the perfect image of the invisible God. Now, the invisible God that we knew before we met Jesus, right, was an imperfect image. It was a, a very flawed image of God. So many people have a, still, have a horribly flawed image of who they think God is. Horribly flawed. Just horrible. The things that they attribute to God, the things that they blame God for, show without a shadow of a doubt that they do not know God. That their version of God is wrong. He does not exist. Right? And so the way I think that Christ overcomes the world is he overcomes the false the false image of God. He overcomes the false gods. And they were all idols. Right? These, these wrong images that you have of God are idols. Right? In fact, they reflect you more than they do more than they do the divine. In other words, the characteristics that you attribute to God are a reflection of yourself, of your own thoughts and feelings. In other words, you make God in your own image if you don't accept that Christ is the image of God. Christ is the only image of God that is non-idolatrous. When you see God for who he really is, all of the idols fail away, fall away. They all fail. Right? The idols fall away 
when you see God as he truly is. And when you've seen Christ, you've seen God. Christ is how God always was. And so the problem was not that God used to deal with men in one way and deals with them differently, differently now. The problem is that men used to see God one way. And that they had a very, very poor vision. Right? Paul talks about seeing through a glass darkly. Well, I think, I think that's how, that's how we saw God at one time. And even now, I don't think we can quite get a perfect view of who God is, even, even looking on Jesus, because we all have a lens, right? We all have something through which we're looking through which we're experiencing the world. Um, so, Jesus has overcome the world by o- overcoming the world's poor vision and showing a true image of God once and for all. And wow, that's, that's a beautiful thing. That changes everything. That's a game changer. Suddenly the world is realigned in a much different way. Things that you saw one way, now you will see a different way. Things that you saw that you thought were good, now you will see as bad. Things that you thought were bad, you may now see as good. The world becomes a completely different place when God is seen for who he truly is. And God is truly Jesus. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, it's so hard sometimes to take heart, just to be courageous in the, in the face of all that goes on in this world whether sickness, calamity, natural disasters, deadly pandemics, relationship problems, financial problems. There is a lot. that hits us from day to day. We are we are attacked from all sides quite consistently. Sometimes more than others. And when the world throws its troubles at us, uh, oftentimes we lose hope. We lose we lose vision. Right? We lose vision of who God is. We're blinded by the trouble that we, we face. Um, so I would encourage you, I think maybe I would exhort you to take heart because we serve and we are loved by, I think is a better way to say that. I think. 
I think we're beyond serve. I think we're sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters of a God that is so good uh, that he gave his life for us. He gave his life so that we would know just how good he is. Uh, and so that we could take heart that, that the world has been overcome, that God is on our side. He is for us. He is not against us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. He has forgiven us of everything. And he could not love us more than he already does. And no matter what you do, he will not love you less. This is good news. right? This is wonderful news. Uh, in the face of calamities or, or, or when everything seems to be going right, it's still good news. But I think we can be, we can be courageous in this time and lean on Christ and lean on our knowledge that he is good and he is only good uh, and that he wants to see us through this crisis and he wants to alleviate the suffering of the world and he is working tirelessly he never sleeps he never takes a day off uh, and he doesn't exclude anyone from his message of reconciliation peace and healing everybody's welcome to his table and his table's always set it's always set and there's always a place for you so I'm gonna be coming up to my school here in a second and I just want to encourage you all to take heart take heart fight the good fight and I think that fight is, is the fight that tells us that we need to cower in fear. Uh, and I don't mean we shouldn't be precautious. Take precautions, by all means. If the government asks you to stay home to stop the spread of the virus, do that. But no matter what decisions we make, you're not going to displease God. You're not going to displease Him. He's forgiven everything. So just, just make the best decision you can for the most people. Do what you can to help people, to help allevi alleviate their suffering when at all possible. Uh, and just keep on keeping on. Uh, we're going to have troubles. Things can get worse before they get better. And even once this crisis passes, another will come. And another. But we don't have to be complete victims to all of this. We can be part of the solution as well. All right. Well, thanks for talking. You guys hang in there. Take heart. Christ has overcome the world. Bye-bye.